0: want to start out a little different today, uh, if you don't mind. Um, I thought we might start out with a little bit of dialogue, which is weird because, you know, we're in church and at this point the guy up here uh, just talks and you don't talk back. And so dialogue may seem very uncomfortable for you right now. Um, But I think dialogue is a good place to begin. And so I I just want to ask this morning in, in a just sincerity. I just want to ask, how are you? How are you? Okay. How are How are you really? Frustrated. Stressed. Upset. Concerned. Tired. Sad. Who's, who's hurting this morning? Just, we can be honest. Just, just hurt. I don't even know who to hurt for. I'm just hurt. Who's angry? Come on. This isn't a time to lie, right? We're in church. This is like the one place you know God can... Whew, I'm just going to smite everybody right there. <clears throat> who's scared? Scared for the future? scared for your kids scared for police confused by all of it haven't we been here didn't 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 we do this anybody this morning just feel like you don't know what to do anybody you want you feel like you should do something but you don't know what to do now, how many people here feel like they're being asked to choose a side? Be honest. I, I feel like the world is saying I got to choose a side, right? So, so here's where where we are, and I'm just going to be honest with you guys. Your sermon notes are going to be of no help to you this morning because I'm I'm not going to preach the Book of Luke this morning. So, I uh, went back and forth all weekend, stayed up into the wee hours of the morning this morning, and and so um. Instead of, of, of just being in Luke, which we'll, we'll get back into at some point, I I, I just I, I prayed over this last night and I had this, this question. And, uh, and this, this question uh, that I feel like God put on my heart was this. What can Christians do in times like these? What can we do? Because I know a whole lot of people that just don't know what to do or how to do it. So the question is, what can we do? And that's what I want to talk to you about uh, this morning: is what we can do uh, together. And so, uh, before we do, and before we get into the text, I'm just going to apologize. There's there's no uh, nothing on the screen. I, I I don't I didn't write down all the verses. We're going to be flipping back and forth. It's going to be ugly and messy. But I I just think I think these things are important for believers to talk about uh, because I think we're called to be different. I, I heard somebody say all week long. We're better than this. Friends, I hate to tell you, apart from Jesus, we are not. Apart from Jesus, this is who we are. And that's why this is so important. We need to talk about who we are in Jesus. Let's talk about what we can do because of Jesus. Because the power and the person of the living God is inside of us. What can we, the empowered people of God do, what can we do? I think that's a good question. That's a question I want to examine with you this morning, um, not to give you opinion, but just to share the Word of God with you, okay? So let's pray, uh, if you don't mind. uh, Bow our heads. Father, if we're being honest, we are hurt. Some are angry, some are scared, many are confused. We're tired of feeling like we're in a tug of war and, and, and we're being pulled. People say, we've got to be on this side or that. And God, more than anything else in the world, I think what we need to do is just hear a word from you. Just a whisper. Just a reminder that you, the creator of all, you, the creator of all, knows us, loves us, cares for us. Would you speak to us by the power of your Holy Spirit, Jesus, through your word, please, In your name we ask these things. Amen. So what what can a Christian do in times like these? When much of our nation seems to be divided? When the world tells us that being for one thing automatically means that we're against something else? Right? I mean, the world right now says you've got to be black or you've got to be blue, right? I heard a comedian. It wasn't a comedy skit, but he's like, this is crazy. The world tells me I either have to be a cat person or a dog person, right? Or have to be, you know, in Texas, you've got to be an Aggie or a Longhorn. What about those OU folks? I mean, if you're an Aggie, you root for them to beat up on the Longhorns too. Love you, Chris. How are we as Christians to navigate these waters we find ourselves in? And I just want to share with you what I believe the Bible teaches us, Christians, uh, that we, what it teaches us that we can do in, in times like these. And, and here's number one. I think, I believe wholeheartedly the Bible says that we can value human life. So what can we do? We can value, we should value human life. My friends, I, I, I fear somewhere along the way that we've just become calloused here in this, in this world. I, 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 don't, I don't know, I, I just think there's so much violence, whether it's violence that, that we, we watch on the news. I, I don't know if you've seen any of the videos on Facebook. I'm not meant to watch that kind of stuff. And I fear that somewhere along the way we've been desensitized, maybe because of the movies that we watch or the TV programs that we watch or the video games that our children play. I think violence has become somewhat normal to us. But I want to say to you this morning that it's not meant to be. I want you to hear me clearly this morning. Death should hurt us. All of it. It should hurt us because it hurt Jesus, right? Think about his friend Lazarus. When he died, Jesus what? He wept. He was hurt, not just because Lazarus was a friend, but because a friend had died. You you think about Jesus with others that weren't friends, right? He comes across the widow of Nain who lost her only son, Luke says, and he had great compassion. And without being asked, without a prayer request being lifted, Jesus just walked up to the funeral procession and placed his hands on the casket Said, get up, son. And he gave the boy back to his mother. Why? Because he valued life. And because death hurt him. He did the same thing with the synagogue ruler, uh, Jairus, and his only daughter. Death hurt Jesus deeply. Not just the death of those close to Him, because He valued people, He valued life. And we say this is what we're all about as Christians, right? We have things like Sanctity of Life Sundays, where we gather together and we, we pray for the unborn, where we champion adoption and, and we plead with young mothers. I mean, we, have an, we have a pregnancy center on our property. We, we plead with young mothers not to abort because we believe that all life is important. Yet we don't hurt over death anymore. Not really, not all of it. Instead, we dismiss it. And herein lies the problem with that, Christian brothers and sisters. It's the words of Christ himself, our namesake. So a lot of what we're going to do this morning is going to go back to the Sermon on the Mount If you were around when we preached that series, you know you should probably have on your steel-toed boots. But I want you to hear what Jesus says about death and what He says about dismissing others. Matthew chapter 5 and, and verse 21, He says, You have heard it said to the people long ago, do not murder And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. Get this, but I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother Raka is answerable to the Sanhedrin, but anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. And and when we preach that, we said, listen, what Jesus is saying is the bar is not murder. That's that's the law of God. We don't take the law of God and strip it down to the basics and say, well, just don't kill anybody. Jesus said, no, it's not about murder. It's about hate and anger. You see, because the moment that we can dismiss another person, the moment that we devalue another life, the moment we we think that we're better than someone else, anyone else, we create the space to do away with them, Jesus said. And he says that's murder, right? It's sin. We can't do that. We have to value life, all human life. You want to know one way to do that? Ready? We have to stop dehumanizing people. When Cain killed his brother Abel, do you remember that story in Genesis chapter 4? There's a little detail, I don't know if you you caught it, but God says to Cain, He says, where is your brother Abel? God names his name. He says, where is Abel? He names him. Cain's response is, I don't know. I am not my brother's keeper. Cain avoids the name of his brother. Do you know why? Because if, if, if I can avoid that name... I can, I can diminish that thought. I can diminish that hurt. I can diminish my guilt. Suddenly now it's impersonal. That's, that's dehumanizing. That's devaluing life. I want you to hear me this week, friends. People died. People. Human beings created in the image of God died this week. They were killed by other human beings. And those people, all of them, had names. They had names. They they had family members. They had people that knew them forwards and backwards, knew the best about them and the worst about them, and those people are missing them. I guarantee they're missing them. Their names were Alton Sterling, Philando Castile, Lorne Ahrens, Michael Smith, Michael Kroll, Patrick Zamarippa, and Brent Thompson. Every single one of them, a human being made in the image of God, flesh and blood, and every single one of them is gone off the face of this planet. That should hurt us. We can value human life. What can I do as a Christian? We can value life. Number two, as a Christian, in the midst of these kind of times, what can we do? We can love one another. We can love one another. Listen, the Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. That includes your own, right? That's a great thing about love. When I choose to love someone else, my love is actually greater than my own sin, than my own bias, than my own background. Love covers a multitude of, of sins. And again, I'm going to turn to the words of Christ. So I'm, I'm in John chapter 13 now. As we just search the Scriptures... And, and listen to what Jesus says here in John uh, chapter 13. I'm going to start in verse 34. He says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. It's easy to read that and read those words and then define what one another means and make that too simple, isn't it? So let's, let's just continue to follow the words of Christ and get uncomfortable this morning. Back to Matthew chapter 5, Sermon on the Mouth, the most uncomfortable sermon on the face of the planet. Jesus, again, talking about love. Matthew 5, verse 44 and 45. I'll start in verse 43. He says, You've heard that it was said, Love your neighbor.'" And hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Hear me. It's important this morning. Love doesn't have to choose sides. I'm going to say that again. Love doesn't have to choose sides. The world wants you to choose sides. The media is going to make you choose sides. The devil is going to have a field day with it all. But but love breaks every boundary. It, It crosses every border. It goes beyond any trap that the enemy can lay out. You can love your black friends and brothers and sisters. You can hurt with them. You can tell them that they matter to you. You get to do that. Love gets to do that. And you can, at the same time, love and honor and respect and pray for the police. You can teach your children that there are a group of individuals that run into gunfire and not away from them. That's okay. Because love has no border. And love has no boundary. It's okay to love. In fact, we're called to it. You can love and you should love both. And that's what our world needs right now more than anything else. They need to know that we love them, whoever them is. That's something that we can do in times like these. We can love one another. Times like these, we can pray for one another. Hebrews 4.16 I think sums it up well ran across it last night and I just thought wow if that doesn't speak to uh, our hearts It says let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need we're in a time of need <laughs> And, and what we need is mercy and grace. So what do we do? We approach the throne of grace. We pray. We, we talk to Jesus. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 through 4, Paul writes, I urge then, first of all, that request prayers and intercession and thanksgiving be made, get this, for everyone, for kings and all those in authority. That we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. And then, of course, what we just read in Matthew. Matthew 5. 44 and 45, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those that persecute. What can we do? We can pray, as Paul says, for everyone. We can pray. That's something we can do. Do you know there are people in the world that can't pray? Do you know that? There are people that have no access to God. They don't have a relationship with God. The Bible says that they've never come to a point that that they have entered um, to where they have access to the throne of God. They're not there yet. And, and, And so they can try to pray. I used to be one of those people and they feel like their prayers just bounce off the ceiling. But Christians, you have a great privilege. We have access to the throne of grace. You know what we can do in the midst of a crazy world where life seems like it's unraveling, when we seem like we're overwhelmed, when we seem like we're pressed on all sides? We can pray. We get to. So we better. We can pray for. What can we do in times like these? We can talk to one another. We, we can and we should talk to one another. And, and I get it. I, I know that some of you don't know what to say. One of the best cards I got when my father passed away, I don't know who wrote it, somebody probably just recently dealt with, with, with loss. It, it just said, there are no words. That was what it said on the front. And I was like, amen to that. Right? Like, I mean, because I had all the consoling and the God will lift you up on wings like eagles and all that. Yeah, and, and I mean, all well intentioned, but I love that there are no words. And it just, I opened it and said, Love you, praying for you. Right? It, it was meaningful. It was real to me. It was appreciated. You want to know what was hard? It was hard on. June 7th, when my world seemed to come to a screeching halt when my dad passed. You know, it was hard. It was the people in my life that I know that love me. But somehow they couldn't find the ability to say anything at all. That was the hard part. Because they didn't know what to say or how to say it. They just remained silent to me. But they weren't silent to anyone else in the world. Because I could log on to Facebook and I could see what they had for dessert, right? I, I, I could log on and I could see how pro-Second Amendment they were after what happened in Orlando or, or how they, they thought that one political candidate was better than the other. I could see all of those things. I could see that they had a voice for all of that, but their silence hurt me. Now, listen, that was in my flesh. I, 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 that's not, I, I get it. It wasn't intentional, But friends, silence hurts. It hurts when the people you know and love will talk about anything and everything else except your struggle that is painful. I'm living proof. See, that's the danger of silence. So what do you say? How do you avoid that silence that can be hurtful? Ready? How are you? No, I mean really, how are you? I read a story about a young woman who walked into a convenience store the day after Dallas. Young black woman. She walked into the convenience store and she saw an officer, a white officer, at the counter speaking with a a white clerk at the convenience store. And when she came in, she said they immediately got quiet. So she went about her shopping kind of just awkwardly, everybody tense, not knowing what to say or to do. And when she came up to the register, the officer just looked at her and said, how are you? She kind of said the same thing. We act didn't say here, well, I'm, I'm okay. And he said, no, 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 no. How are you really? How are you really? And she kind of started to break down. And she said, I, I'm, I'm not good. I'm hurting, and and, and he, he just looked at her. And he said, "You know, it's, it's it's tough to be either one of us right now, isn't it?" And he said, "Can I can I do something? Could I just give you a hug?" And he just she she just embraced, and he just put his arm around her, and she began to weep. She said, "That was the moment I needed that would restore some of my hope and humanity." What do you say? You say, How are you? You say, I'm thinking about you. You say, I love you. You say, You're important to me. You ask if there's anything that you can say. You ask for understanding at some point. If if things are ever going to get better, we have to get uncomfortable and start talking to one another. We can do that. I believe the Bible says that we can mourn with one another. That's part of loving one another, by the way, is to hurt when somebody else hurts. And, and hear me, this may involve, by the way, we talked about taking the smaller seat uh, last week. This this may involve taking the smaller seat for you. Paul writes this in Romans twelve. Romans twelve and verse fifteen. Uh, He says, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Mourn with one another. And I'll end here. We can, we must remember that we are a witness to the world. Matthew chapter 5, again, um, verse 14 and 15 Jesus says, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. We, as Christians, are a witness to the world in times like this. And and, and part of of that witness, part of of our message, part of, of one of the things the church is called to do Is to model something that the Bible calls unity. And 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 I I want to dispel for a moment what unity is not. For a second, friends, unity is not uniformity. I've heard a lot of people say this week, uh, "I don't see color." I'm raising my children not to see color. That's fine for you, I guess. I think that's crazy. Because God invented color, right? Otherwise, the world would be monochromatic. It would all be gray. But instead, God gave us red and blue and yellow and white and black and purple. And when you walk outside, you see the green grass against the blue sky with the white of the clouds, right? You you, you see the soil. Every single color adds beauty to the other. If it were all one color, it would be monochromatic, it wouldn't be beautiful. But, But because God not only sees but creates color, it all works in harmony to paint such beautiful pictures that we have to paint them, that we have to take pictures of them, we have to hang them on our wall because we think, how magnificent is this? That every color works in unity. Paints such a gorgeous picture that I want to remember it for the rest of my life, right? And that should be the church, my friends. The church is, it, it says in the Word that we're a body. That some are hands and some are feet and some are heads and some are toes, right? I'm the pinky toe that slams up against things constantly. That's my job for you. You're welcome. And we all come together under the authority of Christ. And when we can do so, we can paint such a beautiful picture that the world stands in awe and says, I've got to remember this. I've got to hang this on my wall. I've got to write this down. That's what Paul's talking about when he says we can shine like stars in the universe. So we hold out the word of life. And friends, we can do that. Uh, Listen, I I wish somehow that uh, I was more original. (laughs) I thought last night, I beat myself up. I wish that I was some kind of great, prolific thinker. And I could tell you how it's all going to work out. And I could give you application points on what you can do. I think this is all application, by the way. I think we've kind of done that. But the truth is, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. But what I do know is that we, unlike many, are not hopeless, and we are not helpless. We have hope. His name is Jesus, and He has told us what we can do in times like these. We can value life. We can love one another. We can pray for one another. We can talk to one another. We can mourn with one another. We can remember that we are a witness to the world and seek unity. We can do those things. And my prayer is that we will do those things. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, these are things we need to be reminded of, I think, in in times of hurt. That you are better. You are bigger. That love conquers. Teach us this morning, by the power of your Spirit, just set in our hearts a new hope for humanity. A new hope for ourselves. God, I pray for healing. I pray that it would start with us. It's in your name that I ask these things, King Jesus. Amen. So uh, we're going to do something kind of different at at some point today. I want to invite you. We've got a big packed house, and it's cool, and I know some of you may have plans. When we're done here in a little bit, 1210-ish, I'm going to take off this microphone tuck my shirt back in and I'm, I'm going to walk down the street to Straight Gate Church where my brother Don Ciphers leads a black congregation. I'm not trying to be politically correct. I, I think that's what he would say. He says, I'm a black pastor. I'm a white pastor. I'm a short, white, slow pastor. Okay? With angel kisses. That's what my grandmother said my freckles are. Right? Angels adore me. What? The girls never did, but the angels, yes. We're going to walk down that street with our kids in tow. We're just going to pray with one another and talk to one another and mourn with one another. Just going to try to do what this says. And listen, I know that may make you uncomfortable, that thought. Okay. When are we ever going to get uncomfortable? When? If there was ever a time, I think we're there. I think we're there. So, because I know you, and I know me, and I know that ain't easy, we're going to start right here. We're going to start right here in this room. Alan's going to play. I'm just going to ask you, gather together, group of five, eight. Find some people. And just pray together. Pray for each other. Pray for our country. Pray for the sanctity of life. Right? Pray that hurt wouldn't be repaid with hurt. That violence wouldn't be repaid with violence. Pray. Because we can do that. Okay? So do it now. Go ahead. Stand up. Don't wait on me. Stand up. Find a few folks with you. A few folks near you. And just pray. We're going to give you about five minutes. Something like that. Just go ahead and pray together. Make sure as you look around you don't leave anybody out. Make sure nobody's alone. Just take a moment to pray together.